Paul warns that evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving one another and being deceived. The reason Paul told Timothy that was because he needed to be ready to spend the balance of his life in uninterrupted warfare for the truth. The most dangerous people alive today are always, always, always ordained ministers. They're the most dangerous people in the world, especially the ones that people think are Christians who will sell you theological poison to the damnation of your soul. Folks, I just want to warn you about something. Every heretic in the entire history of the church, without exception, has taught their heresy in the name of being faithful to Scripture. What, what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross? That was the day of wrath. That was the day of judgment. That is the day of final salvation. Brought back in time and applied to us once for all at the moment of our effectual calling when we repent and believe and are united to Christ. Welcome to The Protestant Witness. I am your host, Pastor Patrick Hines, uh, pastor of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church here in Kingsport, Tennessee. Um, I am today going to play um, a response I made to John Piper's clarification video. One thing that's very interesting about this video, I was sent this um, a while ago and was told that um, John Piper has attempted to clarify uh, what he said in that sermon that we're not saved by faith alone, how not to use a Reformation slogan. That's actually available out there on uh, YouTube. And I thought, okay, well, this is good. Maybe John Piper will clarify um, the confusion and will we'll be clear that what gets us into heaven at the final judgment at the last day is Christ alone and his righteousness and his shed blood, which we receive by faith alone. And unfortunately, sadly, um, what he does in this clarification video is he basically doubles down uh, on the position and makes it even more clear. Um, and so a number of people have told me that this uh, was helpful to them, so I'd like to have it uh, put as a podcast. Uh, so with uh, no more ado, I'm just going to go ahead and, and have that played now. Someone sent me uh, a link to a video uh, where John Piper uh, has evidently clarified um, things from his sermon on what are, are we will we finally be saved by faith alone, etc., and I've not watched it yet, and I've got a ton of work to do today. And so I just wanted to, I'm just going to listen to this on the fly and respond to it. I, I sincerely hope, um, I hope that he has clarified what he's saying. And uh, and that this will be a good um, <clears throat> response to the controversy that's been stirred up. But before I, I listen to this, I do want to make this comment. I will, tell, I, will, I will say this from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, as a pastor myself. If I preached a sermon that caused an internet explosion of responses um, where people were pointing out how vague, ambiguous, unclear, troubling, distressing, unbiblical, something that I said about the gospel was, I would really, really do a double take on whether or not I should be a pastor. I would really reflect on, is this something I should be doing? If I'm not clear 
about the most important doctrine of the Christian faith, how a sinner is justified before God, which is how they will enter heaven. Um, if people were, if there are people all, on all sides of the issue, what does he really mean? What's he really saying? What's he really getting at? I would probably quit. Because the mark of a pastor, the mark of a good teacher, is the clarity. The clarity with which they speak. It's one of the reasons I always recommend to people, you should read Old Princeton. Read the Hodges. Read Warfield. Those guys were not capable of writing unclear sentences. They just couldn't. And that's why they're such great teachers. Um, again and again, as I've read and listened to John Piper over the years, it's one of the reasons I've never been a John Piper fan. Because I don't understand what he's talking about most of the time. When he hits these issues... You try to say, well, there's a certain spin you could put on this that would make it orthodox. But if you really take what he's saying at face value, it really doesn't sound orthodox. Who knows what, what the guy's getting at? And that's the stuff that bothers me. But let's go ahead and listen to this. It's a 15-minute long video. Hopefully, this my response won't be overly long. All right, Pastor John, today we address a controversy that you stirred up online back on uh, September 25th of last year, 2017. <laughs> Just as Protestants around the globe were beginning to celebrate the Reformation's 500th birthday, you, spo you spoiled the party with an article titled, Does God Really Save Us by Faith Alone? In which you answered, no, we are not saved by faith alone. Leaving. Let me guess where this is going to go now. Having listened to that, saved and salvation are broader terms in Scripture that encompass other things. You can't just equate salvation with justification, blah, 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 blah. Let's see if that's if that's where we go here. Protestants everywhere, dumbfounded and scratching their heads. In wishing more clarity here, a podcast listener named Sam wrote us to ask this. Hello, Pastor John. I've read your article on justification, saying that we are justified by faith alone, but we are not ultimately saved by faith alone. You argue that works must be present for final salvation or glorification to be completed. Two questions for you. Number one, can you explain this a little further? on air and number two what then is the link between justification and glorification from what i see in romans eight thirty, glorification is secured by our justification good question how would salvation and works fit between the link here in paul's mind those are good questions that's those aren't the questions i would have asked him though what i would like to ask him is what is it that god looks at what is the grounds upon which a person is openly acknowledged and acquitted and pronounced righteous on the day of judgment when Jesus returns to the earth. What is the grounds of a sinner's entrance into heaven? That's my question. Uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe he'll get to it. I don't know. Well, thank you, Sam. <clears throat> I love to talk about this issue because it, it is endlessly perplexing for people, and every effort we can make to clarify it, the, the better. So let's start with some clarifications. The biblical term salvation is used to cover past, present, and future dimensions of God's work. I'll tell you, these folks are predictable of nothing else. I mean, I, I could I could give his response for him. I know exactly how he's going to answer this. Did, did I just call that or what? Huh? Huh? <laughs> to bring us into everlasting perfection and joy. Ephesians 2.8, having been saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18, we are being saved that is nope. terrible that is horrifically bad exegete that is exactly how the roman catholic church that's exactly what they do well in romans three twenty four, a present participle is used we're being justified freely by his grace 
Folks, syntactically, grammatically, that's called a gnomic truth, a general truth. That, is, that does not mean that we are experiencing the process of salvation. This is exactly how the, the Roman Catholic religion, the Eastern Orthodox religion, this is how they argue that salvation is this big process. And yet Paul says that in Ephesians 2, 8 through, through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, uh, unto good works that he foreordained that we should walk in them. Okay, we are saved, saved not by works. Now, Paul would not be okay with someone saying, well, yeah, uh, you're, you're saved, and you're being saved, too, and that includes works, and then you will be saved, and that includes works. That is not biblical, folks. Let's see where else he goes here. Romans 13, 11, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Again, total misuse of the passage. Complete misuse of the passage. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That's right, because the day of judgment, the day that Jesus is coming back, um, is, is every moment is getting closer. That's what that's talking about. It is not saying that salvation is a process of transformation or something like that. I can't believe his misuse of scripture by, like this. So past, <clears throat> present process, future completion. This is why we, we have to be so careful. It's why we have to be so careful. Yes, indeed. So you can't say, I, how confusing is that? How confusing is this? If someone comes to me, pastor, I, I am convicted of my sin. I know that I'm under the wrath of God. What must I do to be saved? How can I be saved? I would say, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Now, does that mean, well, there's this process uh, that you have to go through, and then you will be after that process is over? That is not the case. Justification before God is, it is the eschatological verdict brought back in time, applied to the believer. When the present participles are used, being saved or being justified, those are the stating of general truths. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a, as a propitiation by faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness and so on and so forth. Being justified freely by his grace or you are being saved. That does not mean that does not mean that being made right with God is a process. And again, you know where I've heard these arguments before uh, in Robertson Genesis book, not by faith alone. And from every Catholic apologist I've ever heard debate this issue. And from the Eastern Orthodox apologists I've been discussing this with recently. It's the same argument. About using the term justification interchangeably with salvation. Why not? Paul does. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He does not use the term justify. He doesn't say, having by grace you have been justified through faith, and that not of yourselves. He says, by, by grace you, you have been saved through faith. And that, not of, that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Saved, not of works. He uses them interchangeably at times. Now, I grant, salvation in general does encompass other things, but you have to exegete each passage's terms in its own context. You can't just say, well, every time the word saved is being used, it's stating the general truth of all that God does. It depends on the context. It depends on the context in which it's being used causes so much confusion. Yeah. It, <laughs> Justification, as we ordinarily use the term, as Paul ordinarily uses the term, refers not to a process. Thank you. But 
Salvation sometimes does refer to a process. Justification is the point, 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 like in geometry, where the Holy Spirit opens our blind eyes to see Christ for who he really is, unites us to Christ by faith alone, so that in that instant, at that point, we pass from being under condemnation into God's being 100% for us. No virtue, no works. I don't like that phrase. Into from from being condemned to God being 100% for you. No, it's you go from being condemned to being forensically, legally, judicially on the final judgment declared righteous once forever. Jesus Christ bore the condemnation of the Father in the, the stead and place of his people so that no charges will ever be brought against him. That's why Paul asks that question rhetorically in Romans 8.33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? And then you get that, that incredible rhapsody of praise at the end of Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It's not, well, you're in a position now where God's 100% for you. That is not biblical terminology. That is not a helpful way of looking at this. And again, that sounds an awful, bit, an awful lot like Rome's state of grace. God's 100% for you. He's 100% for you. L let's get rid of that. that is, that's not a helpful phrase. That's not biblical. It's not helpful. Justification is God's bringing back the eschatological verdict on the day of judgment and applying it now on, in virtue of the cross work of Christ and his righteousness that is imputed to our account by faith alone. We are pronounced righteous once for all eternity. And that's the end of it. A person who's justified is going to heaven. Romans 8, 28 through 29, 30, and 31. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. And whom he, pre he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. In us brought about this new standing with God. Justification is instantaneous and unchanging on the basis of the blood and righteousness of Christ alone, we are counted instantaneously as righteous, and God is 100% for us from then on. We're connected with this new experience of acceptance with God by being one with Christ through faith alone, and that happens in an instant. Now the question rises, how do our good deeds then fit with justification and final salvation? In my end, again, again, how do our good deeds fit with justification and final salvation? Final salvation is not a biblical category. The way he uses it, speaks about it, preaches about it, writes about it is unbiblical. And he has yet to produce anything from the word of God that would lead anyone to believe that justification is somehow different from final salvation. The whole point is, God is holy, righteous, and just. Man is obligated to obey God. He doesn't. Man is obligated not to disobey God, and we disobey him all the time. And so there is a day of judgment. 
And that judgment against sin fell on Christ. And the preceptive obedience, what uh, Romans 8, uh, 1 through 4 speaks of as the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The law can't justify us. Christ fulfills it for us. Uh, Romans chapter 4 uses the, the uh, Greek term logizomai, impute or reckon or account 11 times. Abraham is accounted righteous. Righteousness is imputed to us, Romans 4, 6, apart from works. And our sins are not imputed to us, Romans 4, 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay, that's what justification is. How do our good works fit into our justification? They don't. Because it's said over and over. Think, think about it. Uh, Romans 3.20. By the deeds of the law, no flesh should be justified in the sight. Romans 3.28. Therefore, by the observance of law, no flesh, um, we, we are justified by faith apart from observing the law. Okay? Righteousness is imputed to us apart from works. Romans uh, 4.6. Uh, Galatians 2.16. Uh, we are not justified by works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works of law. Not by works. Not by deeds of righteousness. Over and over and over and over and over again, the New Testament says this. So how do our works figure into our justification? They don't. How do works figure into our final salvation? They don't. The answer is, and it's the answer of the entire mainstream of the Reformed tradition. And, and really not just Calvinists would talk this way. Many others would as well. Works play no role whatsoever in justification, but are the necessary fruit of justifying faith, which confirm, this fruit confirms our faith and our use. Okay, he was doing all right there as long as he said a necessary fruit. I don't like this use of, they, they confirm, okay, just listen closely to this. Union with Christ at the last judgment. So, so God can make a, a public pronouncement with a view to these works. Can no, nope. Uh, Piper, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, if you're if you're looking at the the works done by the sinner as the thing upon which God renders the verdict that our faith was real or, or something, the, the way you're stating this is so confusing and is so vague and ambiguous. It doesn't make any sense. The fact is, justification, when we are pronounced righteous, when we are united to Christ by faith alone, that is the final judgment. That, that's what Piper's missing here. He, he really does think that the final, final salvation, final judgment is, is entirely distinct from justification. But the whole point is, justification is that legal declaration. It is the final verdict being applied to us the moment we believe and are united to Christ. That is how we get to heaven. Affirming the faith which alone unites us to Christ, who is alone the foundation of our acceptance as perfect in God's sight. So here's what the Westminster Confession says from 350 years ago. Faith, thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness, mm -hmm. is, is the, the alone, alone instrument, instrument of justification. Only sole instrument of justification. Distinguishing instrument from basis. But it is not alone, and that, that's very the true. alone instrument or means of justification, yet is it not alone Correct. in the person justified, but is Always ever accompanied, important word, accompanied by all with other, all saving, other graces. saving graces, yep. and is no dead faith, mm -hmm. but works by love. Amen. End of quote. Exactly right. Now that is an allusion to, to Galatians 5, 6. That's right, it where is. Paul says, 
In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Working through love. Unfortunately, that's not what Piper's been saying. Let's see how he. Let's see if he actually believes it. So the faith that justifies is the sort of faith that bears the fruit of good works. Love, James two seventeen. Faith, if it has no works, is dead. Yeah. Being what does this have to do with final salvation? Nothing. What does this have to do with our final salvation? Nothing. Nothing. By itself. Dead faith doesn't justify anybody. Therefore, faith without works is not the kind of faith that justifies anybody. And these works are, and here it starts to get difficult for people, but let me see if I can help. These works are necessary. Hebrews says, strive for the peace. Strive. Key word. Strive for the peace. You need to be real clear. Necessary for what? Necessary in what way? As the grounds? You said in an article, that in that article that's posted on Desiring God's website, we are saved through those works. That's the problem. With peace with everyone and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Yeah, that's right. But does that mean that on the grounds of that holiness, we are finally accepted or saved? Be clear now. Be clear. You always talk about, we've got to be so clear here. Yeah, please be clear. Hebrews 12, 14. So we won't see the Lord Jesus. That is, we won't be finally saved. No. Nope. 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 We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, lest anyone should boast. We won't see the Lord Jesus. In other words, we are saved. No, that's not what Hebrews 12 is talking about. Okay, let's let's look at the passage. And this is a massive error. A massive error. Let's look it up here. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I have a question. Is there anything there about being saved by that holiness? Is there anything there about being justified by that holiness? Saved by that holiness, that that being the, the, the way of our final salvation or the grounds of our final salvation, nothing, nothing. The passage, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What does that have to do with the way or the means by which we are finally saved? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And he is completely twisting that passage. He's been quoting it like a mantra. In, in his sermons and everything else. Holiness, no holiness, no heaven. No holiness, no heaven. That's actually a true statement. But the way he's putting it, we are saved. I mean, listen to that again. Listen to the way he nuances it. Listen to it closely. Key word, strive for the peace with, er with, peace with everyone and strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. So we won't see the Lord Jesus. That is, we won't be finally saved. That's not what it says. That is subtlety of speech. That is a twisting of that passage. It does not say you will be finally saved by your pursuit of holiness. That is not what the passage says. That is not biblical. That is not what the Bible teaches. Without this striven for holiness. And, and what is that? Or why? why is I mean, that? folks, he, he is teaching 
How are we saved? Well, initially by faith alone, and then you're finally saved by, by striving for holiness. That is upon that basis you are saved. That, that is what he's teaching. You're saved by striving for holiness. You're saved by the pursuit of holiness. Yeah, because the Apostle John says, 1 John 2, 4, 3.14, other places, the one who says, I have come to know God and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Correct. And what does that have to do with how we're saved? Nothing. There is a total category confusion here. Okay, 1 John 2, that's again, a text I have preached on. A person who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. That is absolutely positively true. And it's something we need to preach with every bit of force in us. But if we start saying, that's how you're finally saved, we are purveyors of a false gospel. You know, you gotta, you gotta like the guy's clarity. He's, he's awfully clear. Listen. And the truth is not in him. Mm -hmm. Or says later, 314. What's that have to do with you're finally saved through keeping his commandments? Is that what that passage says? It is not. It is not. We know that we have passed out of death into life because mm -hmm. we love the brethren. That's how we know. It's confirmed. And what does that have to do with final salvation? What does that have to do with being getting into heaven? Nothing. How many ways does the Apostle Paul reject the idea that we're saved in any degree at all by our works? That they are somehow what confirms whether or not we're going to get into heaven or that, or that through that process of transformation, we get into heaven? Nowhere. Nothing. He who does not love abides in death. In other words, you haven't been born again. You haven't been. That's completely, perfectly, absolutely, totally true. It needs to be preached with every bit of force in us. What does that have to do? What does that have to do with being finally saved by faith alone? What does that have to do with the topic before us? Nothing. United to Christ, you don't have saving faith because it's not confirmed by love. So obedience <coughs> and love are the necessary confirmations that we are... No, they're necessary fruits. They, they necessarily accompany confirmations. Confirmations. Well, you know, Piper has said that the, the love that accompanies true faith, the other saving graces, we are saved through those works. He says it. That is a direct quote from his article on this. And he's just plain wrong about that. Born again, truly united to Christ by faith alone. Or here's the way Paul says it in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2 13. You God chose, chose you for salvation you through the sanctification of the spirits and to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in. That is a misinterpretation um, of the passage. Listen closely to 2 Thessalonians uh, 2. <clears throat> but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. He's not saying that you're saved through sanctification or that that's the grounds of your salvation. That is a total misinterpretation of the passage. What is it saying? We were set apart by the Spirit and belief in the truth. That's all that that's saying. That's not saying that you're saved by works, and yet that's how he's interpreting it. You're saved through sanctification. Uh, no, we're not saved through sanctification. Okay, God chose us from the beginning for salvation, through sanctification by the Spirit, we're set apart by the Spirit, not, not the process of becoming more conformed to the image of Christ. You know why I know that that's not what that's saying? Because if you interpret it that way, you just contradicted everything that Paul has ever taught on the subject. 
We are set apart by the Spirit and are granted faith in the truth. Now, what is this passage talking about? What is this, this passage about? Okay, it's about the coming of the lawless one. It's, it's about the, this discourse leading up to this. Is this a passage that's really dealing with the issues of soteriology? No. Is it really addressing the means by which we're made right with God or going into detail or depth about sanctification? No, it is not. So why would you go here? Why would you go here to try to demonstrate how a person's saved and gets to heaven? Why would you go here and try to, to camp out on things like this? Folks, I've seen this method used by every kind of false teacher and heretic ever, that's ever lived. Ever. That I've ever studied. They take a little snippet out of here, a little snippet out of there, a little little phrase out of here, a little phrase out of there, string it all together, and see, you just have to have your your doctrine has just gotta it's gotta be broad and biblical and take into account everything. And now what they're doing is they're misinterpreting individual passages and setting them really at odds with one another. This passage is not saying you're saved by sanctification. Okay, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. The process of sanctification is not how a person is saved. Okay, let's uh, let's press on. The truth. So we are not justified through sanctification. Let me say it again. We are not justified through sanctification, but we are finally saved through sanctification. That is. <sighs> okay, folks. <clears throat> for Piper to make his point, he needs to do some exegesis of Scripture to show us that final salvation is somehow different from justification. The reformers, all of them, and the entire reform tradition, the biblical theology, <clears throat> is that justification is the last judgment applied to us when we believe. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we've been justified. Justified is a forensic legal term. Who is God? God is the judge. What's going to happen when Jesus returns? The final judgment. Those who are united to Christ are justified on the grounds solely, completely, and only of the cross work of Christ for their forgiveness and his righteousness as the, the alone basis of their being pronounced righteous in the sight of God. That is it. Justification is final salvation. This is thoroughly, this is, I mean, he really is, he really is teaching that salvation, you are saved by the process of sanctification. This, this is Roman Catholic doctrine, folks. I don't know why Piper even pretends to be reformed. Through a real change in our hearts and minds and lives, without which we will not see the Lord. But John, that doesn't mean that upon the basis of that change, that's how we see the Lord. That's not saying that you are saved and brought into finally saved on the grounds of your transformation. That You have not shown that, not even remotely, from any of the passages that you've cited. Not even close. Now. People hear this, if they haven't been well taught on these things, here's what people do. They hear this, they say, whoa, necessary? These things are necessary for final salvation? And they draw two inferences from that statement, and both of them are false. Number one, therefore they say, final salvation is dependent on us, decisively on us. And John, you've made that crystal clear. Let's see how he tries to get out of it. And here's the next false inference. Therefore, it's uncertain. I could fail. I could lose my salvation. I could I could be justified and then not be justified. A child of God might lose his justification. Now, both those inferences are dead wrong, both logically wrong and biblically wrong. 
The second one is wrong because the Bible says, he who began a good work in Philippians 1, 6. you will complete it at the day of Christ. You won't lose it. And Romans 8, 30 says, those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. No dropouts. No dropouts at any one of those links in the chain. No dropouts between justification and glorification. I'll say it again. Those whom he justified in the twinkling of an eye, by faith alone, in union with Christ, once and for all, will be, all of them, no exceptions, will be glorified. The reason no one will lose his justification is because God is the decisive worker. We were, but we're not the decisive worker. Philippians 2.12. That, that is what the Council of Trent taught too, just FYI. Work out your own salvation. By all means, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. But, but it's not upon the grounds of our holiness. See, again, John, Dr. Piper here has, has made this clear. We are finally saved through our good works. I mean, th those are his own words. Um, he's trying to backpedal on it now. Let's see if, I mean, he really, he still hasn't answered the first objection that he gave there. Let's see if he tries to. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God, God who is, is at work within in you, you, both to will and to and do to work for, for his, his good pleasure. Good's pleasure. What does so, that have to do with justification? Nothing. What does that have to do with final salvation? Absolutely nothing. And notice again, Piper has not shown us from scripture uh, that what he's saying is true. Final salvation is through good works. Or your faith is confirmed by, by your good works of final salvation. He has not shown from the Bible that final salvation is somehow different from justification. He hasn't. God's sovereign keeping and working is the basis of our pursuit of holiness. The basis of it. The basis of it, the ground of it. I start with the fact that I am kept. I start with the fact that I'm justified. I start with the fact that God is 100% for me. And on the basis of that, I pursue the killing of my sin. Here's, here's what Paul says in Philippians 3.12. I love this. He says, not that I am already perfect. But I press on. But I press on yep. to make it my own because... Christ Jesus has made me his own. Oh. What does that have to do with this idea of final salvation? Nothing. Does Paul bring up such a thing? That through the good works he's done in his, um, I, I press on and pressing on and uh, to lay hold of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that glorious passage that Piper is misinterpreting here. Um, does that have anything to do with final salvation? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh, get that logic right. So when Sam asks, as he does at the end, how would salvation and works fit between the link in Paul's mind between justification and glorification? Where Paul says all those who are justified are glorified. He's asking, how does salvation and works fit in there? The It's a decent question, but it's not the question that needs to be asked. Uh, what what I would like to ask him is what is the what is the judicial legal grounds of our final acceptance with God? I don't accept this idea that final salvation is somehow different from justification. That's not biblical. It hasn't even remotely been established. But what is the grounds of final salvation in Piper's theology? What is the grounds? What is the legal grounds of our final salvation? 
I have a feeling that's not going to be made clear here. Here's this. Glorification in Paul's thinking is a process that begins at conversion. Oh, good grief. No, it's not. No, it's not. Glorification is, is the resurrection where we are rid of every last vestigial remain of sin and are given glorified bodies. Glorification is a process that begins at conversion? It doesn't begin at the last judgment. Yes, it, it does. It begins at conversion. If it begins at conversion, why, why is it listed as the final thing in the golden chain of salvation? Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, uh, he started glorifying way back at calling. It's not a it's not a, a process. Glorification is not a process. Glorification is an instantaneous act. It's an instantaneous act where we're raised up in glory at the last day, and all sin is done away with, and we have our resurrection bodies, and every last effect of sin is done away with. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be wonderful. And includes sanctification. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Glorification again. Where, how, where is he getting this from biblically? Glorification is the final link in the chain. It's the final link in the chain. We were foreknown before the foundation of the world, predestined before the foundation of the world. Uh, those who be predestined, he called. That's our effectual calling. At some point, we hear the gospel. The Spirit of God uh, does his great work, changes our hearts, unites us to Christ. Then all who are effectually called are justified. And all who are justified when they die, when they're res resurrected at the last judgment, will be glorified. It's not a process that starts at... Glorification is not a process that starts at conversion. Amazing. It's consummated at final salvation. We know this because of 2 Corinthians. Someone needs to ask him, Dr. Piper, where does Scripture teach this idea of final salvation being just entirely distinct from our justification? Where is that in the text of Scripture? It is nowhere, and you will not hear it proved or even argued for. This is the way, and I'm just, I'm just going to say it, this is the way false teachers always work. They have their pet doctrine. They have their thing that they're into. They have this false teaching they want to get out there. And it's just sort of assumed. And then they, they jump around scripture trying to prove it. And he hasn't shown that final salvation is somehow distinct from our justification. That's what he would have to show exegetically, biblically. And he hasn't. It's 3.18, where we look to Jesus and, and are being chained from one degree of glory, glory to the next. That's glorification. No, it's not. No, it's not. The question was asked about Romans 8, 29 and 30. Um, what is the link between justification and glorification? And he's misusing um, passages all over the place, trying to prop this thing up. And he's just plain wrong. Um, exegetically wise, that is not what Paul is talking about, ever changing from glory to glory. That's not talking about glorification at all. That is, that is speaking, I think, about the process of sanctification, yeah. But that's not the act of glorification. Right now, as we look to Jesus, and, and, and Romans 8.30 then, all the justified will be glorified includes the promise. Of Wait a minute. Will be glorified? Will be glorified in the future. Yeah, right, after they die and are raised from the dead. But Piper just said glorification starts a conversion. Uh, so Paul would have to, if Piper's right, he would have to say, those whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, whom he predestined he called, and whom he called he justified, and whom he justified he's been in the process of glorifying ever since they were called. 
But that's not what he says. He says, will be glorified. All the justified will be sanctified because sanctification is included in glorification. Irish. No, it's not. Again, glorification is the act of God whereby when we're raised from the dead and are given glorified bodies that are free from sin. Assurance of final <laughs> salvation, which is so precious. We don't believe that people should walk around unsure. Our assurance of final salvation rests on God's past work by Christ and his future work by the Spirit in us and both one outside of us, one in us, both rooted in God's faithfulness to his covenant people. And I'll read this as my last verse. This is First Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He will Confirm sustain to you to the end, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Very good. Hopefully that will clarify things for our listeners. It will for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up thinking I could solve this problem for people. And, and, you know, I think part. It's not a problem. It's not a problem that needs to be solved. It's very clear in scripture. God is the judge. Man is, is in the dock. And when we're summoned forth on the day of judgment, um, what will be our verdict? Every person who's justified will be justified on the last day by Christ alone, by faith alone. What that really is saying when we say by faith alone, it means by the righteousness of Christ alone. There is no we're saved through our good works that we did with God 100% for it. That's just not part of biblical revelation at all. And his misuse of 2 Thessalonians 2.13 does not doesn't even begin to demonstrate that. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord, um, his misuse of that. Um, I, what, what can I say? Th this doesn't clarify anything. He's just doubled down and, and is still saying the same things he's been saying for years and years on this issue. Let's see if there's anything else. Part of that is it's not hard to understand, but the devil hates it so much, he's going to constantly sow seeds you got to do this. You're, it's all depending on you and, and so on. Well, I know Piper, Piper and Rome would never say it's all depending on you, just partially, just a little bit. The holiness that you have to pursue, Piper's clear in his article on this. Are we, are we saved by faith alone? We are saved through the works that we do in final salvation. It's very clear in his, in his own words. Amen. Yeah, that that is a carefully defined understanding of justification and uh, final salvation. And those aren't two different things. Justification is final salvation. It is the final verdict brought back and applied to us now. That's why Paul can say, who will ever bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies them. Meaning they are justified. They are pronounced righteous right now because they're in union with Jesus Christ. And at the last day, they will be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment. And that's because of Jesus Christ. It's because our faith is in him and our confidence is in him alone. Do those other fruits, does sanctification and the pursuit of holiness and putting sin to death, will that accompany true faith in Christ? Yes. Are we saved through putting sin to death or by our pursuit of holiness? Does that form any part of the grounds of our acceptance? Does that... Is that what confirms our faith and thus gains eternal life for us? No, no. 
uh, so it's rooted in a long history of careful Reformation theology. Think about the reformers did not believe what John Piper is saying here. The the reformers would not accept what he is saying here. Okay, I've read enough Luther, Calvin, Turretin, um, the Scholastics afterwards. Now people will always bring. I just I want to want you to watch out for this. Gattaker, Vines, and Twists. Okay, if you read, in fact, real quick, let me get some here real quick. Here's a good book, okay? The Theology of the Westminster Standards by J.V. Fesco. Um, Vines, Gattaker, and Twists. Uh, guys who question the act of obedience of Christ. And you can read the, the discussions in here about what took place on the floor of the Westminster Assembly. You had three guys out of 121 divines who had questions about this. And when you when people deny the gospel the way that Piper is here and deny that um, we are final salvations by faith alone, as he is clearly denying, they will immediately go to Gattaker, Vines, and Twist. Well, look at what these pure. If you consign him to the flames, you got to consign all these other guys to the flames too. And I say, look, everyone's held to the same standard. If you read Fesco's discussion of this and look at other works on the Westminster Assembly, you will see that these guys, Gattaker, Vines, and Twist made speeches, and then they were thoroughly refuted by other divines. And that's why the Westminster Confession reads the way that it does. And they were refuted on the basis of Scripture, of the Word of God. And they were shown to be wrong. But people will still quote them, see, these guys are Puritans, and they, they, they sound sort of like what Piper's saying. I don't care. We are not bound to what these guys said. You can find almost anything you want if you look hard enough in the Puritans. I've got the Puritan hard drive, 91 gigabytes of stuff. It's a great resource. I use it all the time. You can find almost anything in the Puritans if you look hard enough for it. But again, what's really, what's really the issue here? The issue is what does Scripture teach about this? And what it teaches about this is very clear. Final salvation is not distinct from justification. Our justification is the eschatological verdict Brought back in time, applied to us now, that is what our verdict will be, and that is the sole basis of our verdict, the cross work and the imputed righteousness of Christ. It's always and only that. That is how you get into heaven. But what about the pursuit of holiness, without which no one will see the Lord? That's right. That's right. Does that mean that by pursuing holiness, we get to heaven? Does that mean that that somehow, in some way, figures into the equation? John Piper is very clear. He's very clear on the matter um, that we are saved through those good works. We are saved through those good works. Justifications by faith alone, sanctification is a process, but final salvation is through the, the investigation and the assessment that God does on the last day to see if there's something confirming our faith, and we are saved through those good works. Let me find the article here. He's very, very, very clear, very clear in what he's saying. Listen, let me find the, um, the point here. Okay, listen. In final salvation at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. H how could anyone look at that as being anything other than justification or final salvation by faith and works? Listen to it again. In final salvation at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne. Listen, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. How In John Piper's theology, how are we saved? 
by works and by faith. We are saved through that fruit and that faith. Those are his own words. I'm going to link to this article in the description here. How am I wrong here? How am I wrong here in understanding what the man is saying? Again, I'll tell you this. If, if I created this much confusion among the people of God and, and divided people this much, you know, that's what the word hereticon means. A heretic, what do they do? They divide people. They're divisive. Why? Because of their ambiguity, because their lack of clarity, because they can't say anything. They, they, don't, they don't feel the need to prove anything from Scripture. It really is upsetting to me. It really is upsetting to me um, to hear him speaking of this the way that he is. And I think that it's profoundly dangerous what he's saying. Pastor John, and uh, to read Pastor John's original article, search for the title, Does God Really Save Us by Faith Alone? That's the article I'm looking at, at DesiringGod.org. And there we have over 7,000 articles on all manner of topics for you to look through. And if you never have, I would encourage you to, to spend some time this weekend to browse and search through all the resources that we have at DesiringGod.org. It's a massive library, all open to the public 24-7, all free of charge, and all for your joy in God. Well, thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. You can stay current. Okay, uh, so that's the end of the video. Real quick in summary here. From that very article they just talked about, I'm going to link it in the description here. Cut and paste that link. Okay. Here's what Piper says. In justification, faith receives a finished work of Christ performed outside of us and counted as ours, imputed to us. In sanctification, faith receives an ongoing power of Christ that works inside us for practical holiness. In final salvation, at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by that sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit. How can anyone interpret that to be anything other than uh, we're saved, we get into heaven by works? That's what he says. That's what he's saying. In final salvation at the last judgment, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. As Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, misinterpretation of the passage, God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Total misuse of the passage. It's not describing the grounds of our salvation or anything like that. We are set apart by the Spirit, and we have faith in Jesus Christ. That's all that's saying. Okay, he, Paul's not contradicting what he spent eight chapters doing in Romans, and in Galatians, and Philippians, and Colossians, and Ephesians 2. He, he's, he's not contradicting himself at all. <clears throat> so, amazing. Um, th there will be those who will defend Piper no matter what. Uh, but... I think that this video, really, what has he done? He's just doubled down, and he's, he's still maintaining the same things that he's been saying all along. So there you go. I, I've, uh, I was in a, a sermon series. Um, I'm going to preach on, on this, Justification, Final Salvation, and John Piper. That's going to be the sermon this Sunday. Uh, so I hope people will tune in and listen because this is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous stuff. There is no distinction between final salvation and justification. They are the same thing. Our justification, when, when we're justified, that is the eschatological final verdict on the day of judgment when Jesus returns, being applied to us now. And that's why we can have peace in our hearts and die confident that we're already right with God. I don't look, I, I promise you this. I will not be laying in bed, boy, I hope I, I pursued holiness enough. And Piper would say, oh, I'm not saying that. But look at your own words. We are saved through that fruit. That's what you're saying. And then when we say, you're saying we're saved by our fruit. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. 
He's speaking out of both sides of his mouth, and he's contradicting himself constantly. And you know what? Scripture's warned us about this very thing. It's amazing. We need to be better Bible readers. We, re we really do. 1 Timothy 6.20. Listen carefully to this. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions. Contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Antithesis. Antithesis. Contradictions. Antithesis. Antithesis. What's one of the marks of a false teacher? They contradict themselves constantly. Depending on the company they're in, they'll say one thing. They'll nuance it another way. They'll say it this way. They'll say it that way. They'll contradict themselves here, contradict themselves there. Just remember that, folks. Pastors, lay people, listen to me. Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions. One of the clearest marks that someone's a false teacher is that they contradict themselves. You know who does that a lot, too? N.T. Wright. I've read, I think, seven or eight books of his now. I've never seen a more convoluted mess in my life. What N.T. Wright gives on one page, he contradicts on the next. He'll say something, and then you go, yeah, that sounds good, and then he'll take it away the next page. Contradictions. It's one of the marks of a false teacher. Paul says avoid it. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and the antithesis, the contradictions. So Piper wants to say, God is 100% for you, and the, the faith which alone justifies... Yeah, but he's totally defined final salvation as something entirely distinct from justification. What is this also uh, an example of? Listen to it again. Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions. What's Piper causing by all this, this silliness and all this talk? Divisions. Watch those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. You see, years ago, I read a book called Against Christianity by Peter Lightheart. And I, I was curious about the Federal Vision stuff. And as I was reading Lightheart's book, I, I just, I couldn't help but laugh out loud over and over and over again. You know why I was laughing out loud? Because the, the thought just kept going through my mind as I was reading it. It wouldn't matter how you criticize this. No matter how you criticize it, what's his answer going to be? You're misrepresenting me. You're misrepresenting me. Why? Because the ambiguity. No matter how anyone criticizes John Piper, no matter what we say, because he contradicts himself constantly, he can exonerate himself. Well, you didn't hear what I said over here. You didn't read what I said over there. No matter what you say against him, he's got an out. No matter what. You're misrepresenting me. You're misunderstanding me. You're not interpreting me in the best possible light. It's idle babblings and contradictions. It's smooth words of flattery. When people are this confusing about how a person can get into heaven, they really need, need not to be a pastor. They need not to be a pastor. Final salvation is our justification. It's the eschatological verdict brought back in time applied to us now. Because what Jesus did is enough. Our pursuit of holiness is not how we're saved. We are not saved through the fruits of our faith. That is a false teaching. That is false teaching. Justification is final salvation. That's what the scriptures teach. I intend to demonstrate that um, in a couple, let's see, today's Friday. So in a couple days, I'll be preaching on it. I'm going to finish that sermon. I started writing it yesterday. Um, 
was working on a different sermon series on um, dealing with difficult problems and biblical wisdom, but we're going to hit this for a while, I think, maybe, maybe even a couple sermons, because this is dangerous stuff. So anyway, I'm glad that person sent me a link to the video. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for watching.